you know, that put down, I was always told, oh, you can't do this right. You can't do that right. So I really wasn't encouraged. So that's where the emotional abuse came from. The physical came from his violence when he would get drunk. He was a, he was an alcoholic. And when he would get drunk, he would lay a beating on us kids. That was just the norm in our life, you know, and it was, it was a struggle. So that led me to always seeking to try to be accepted. You're listening to the Empowered Woman, Badass and Unfiltered Podcast, a place for inspiration, empowerment, and personal development, showcasing badass women from all over the world, giving tips on personal development, mindset, and healing. I'm your host, Olivia, transformational success coach for spiritual female entrepreneurs. Now let's dive into this episode. Stripper gone rogue, from exotic dancer to energy healer. In this podcast, I interview Annette Parker, and she shares her journey through life and her upbringing and what led her to becoming the person she is today and helping the hundreds of people she's helped thus far with all of her healing modalities. Definitely a worthwhile listen. Thanks so much for joining me all the way from Waterloo, Ontario, Canada, Miss Annette Parker, Thank you. also known as Stripper Gone Rogue, and her links to contact her are in the comments below, the show notes below. Anyway, let's go ahead and get into this. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, so it was a, a very interesting journey, like I said, starting growing up um, I'm first generation Canadian. Uh, my parents are European, uh, mixed German, Polish and Russian. So there was a lot of alcohol in the family growing up. And my dad was, um, because of his situation with the war, he was very distant and didn't know how to love. So that's where I was always feeling that you know, that put down. I was always told, oh, you can't do this right. You can't do that right. So I really wasn't encouraged. So that's where the emotional abuse came from. The physical came from his violence when he would get drunk. He was a he was an alcoholic. And when he would get drunk, he would lay a beating on us kids. That was just the norm in our life, you know? And it was it was a struggle. So that led me to always seeking to try to be accepted, right? Try to fit in, right? And I would, you know, that put down, I was always told, oh, you can't do this right. You can't do that right. So I really wasn't encouraged. So that's where the emotional abuse came from. The physical came from his violence when he would get drunk. He was a, he was an alcoholic. And when he would get drunk, he would lay a beating on us kids. That was just the norm in our life, you know, and it was, it was a struggle. So that led me to always seeking to try to be understanding what was right and what was wrong, because one day I would do something and it was okay to do it. And the next day I would get a beating for it. And it's like, come on, you know, like as a child, it was very, very confusing. So that left a lot of confusion within myself. And what that did is over the years, I got involved with drugs and alcohol. Um, I always swore that I would never be anything like my father. And as it turned out, I turned out a lot like him in many different ways. Thank goodness I was never abusive. I never got into uh, that, that side of me never, that side of him never took over in me. But it was, uh, it was an interesting journey for sure up until this point. Um, I got involved with the biker gangs and hanging out with, you know, hanging out in strip clubs and hanging out with the dancers and all the guys and just the lifestyle that that, that entails. And it was um, through even though deep down inside, I always knew that there was something, even as a child, when I touched people, something in them changed, but I didn't understand what that was. And I didn't understand how it worked and what was going on. But as I, I continued going through, I always kept that in the back of my mind, you know, like I would give people massages and they would fall asleep. I, one gentleman, I gave him a massage and he slept for 36 hours. <laughs> we had there was a bunch of a group of us and we were partying and I gave him a massage and we took off and went to the beach for the night and came back and he woke up and goes oh that was a great nap and it's like do you realize you've been sleeping for 36 hours it's like magic hands they called me right so people are like no 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 don't get a massage from her she'll you'll sleep for 36 hours 
but it was a very um, interesting life in that the feelings, the feelings that I had, you know, like the, the feeling not good enough, the feeling of not feeling respected, the feeling of not a feeling of being judged. And what I've done today is I realize that that's, you know, that's not the case. And I don't have to live my life in other people's views, right? As long as I'm authentic to myself. Um, I'm not sure where else to go with this. I don't. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally going to ask you plenty of questions. So I'll start so, because it's a lot easier because I'm like trying to keep yeah, going here. You're, you're fine. Um, so I want to ask you like, lifestyle wise when you were um what made you stop stripping because I can it's so hard for people in general to to leave their lifestyles well I how about I start with what started me stripping okay I really got to that so what I had gotten in on my 25th birthday I got involved with intravenous drug use and I did that for a couple years and then I realized that intravenous drug use yeah um doing needles oh okay yeah. I, I i didn't i never heard yeah, that term yeah yeah because the intravenous like right into the veins like shoot, shooting up okay yeah so i got involved with that at my on my 25th birthday and after about a couple of years like i was saying i i realized that that wasn't the life for me that wasn't where i wanted my life to go that's not what i wanted for the rest of my life so i decided to get away from that drug use but everywhere i went it was around me so mm-hmm. that's where the came that's where the stripping came about was because as the gentleman my a friend of mine he was an agent for dancers and i was sitting and talking with him and giving him my dilemma about you know where am i going to go what am i going to do i got to leave town he says well listen i need somebody to go to you know thunder bay which is like 900 miles away from here how would you like to do it so that's how i started And then the way that I got out of it is quite interesting. Again, you know, I look back at the life that I had, and I guess I made some pretty good, pretty good friends. And I truly believe that God intervened also, because one day um, I worked in a restaurant prior to dancing. I was working in a restaurant and one of our regular customers happened to walk into the bar that I was stripping in down at, it was, uh, I don't know, down in Sarnia. And he sat there and he says, you know what? He goes, you're too good for this. He goes, why are you doing this? And I says, well, you know what? I'm at the point where I'm ready to give it up, but I don't know what to do next. I don't know where to go next. He says, well, come home. And I says, to what? I says, I don't have a job. I've you know, barely got a place to live. I need to make some money. I need to do something. And he was running a landscaping company. So I actually went from exotic dancer to landscaper. So he sent down one of his employees to pick me up. And on Saturday night at two o'clock in the morning, we jumped in the truck and drove back to Kitchener. And Monday morning at seven o'clock, I was planting trees. <laughs> so that's how I got out of it. And it continued um, that I did for a little while, but then I got involved back and started because back in town again, I got involved with, you know, some of my old friends and some of the old lifestyles came about. But then I also, I always knew inside of myself that something, you know, that this wasn't right, you know, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And then in 2000, or no, 1993, I realized that my drinking and my, uh, my, uh, my drinking and my drug use was getting too, was getting bad. And I reached out for help and joined the 12 step program. And that's where the beginning was the beginning of a big change, because again, it was a lifestyle change. I've had many lifestyle changes over the years. (laughs) Yeah. Like just from what I've seen, like you worked. So when did you start working in corporate America? I started working in corporate. Oh, you want years on that. Um, From, well, that was actually, I was working in corporate America when I got, I lost, that's how I really got into the 12 step program because I had lost my job because of my drinking. So it was probably in the, about 1998, 99, maybe early 2000s. No, uh, early 90s. Yeah, because it was the late 80s when I was uh, stripping. And then in probably the early 90s is when I got into corporate, uh, corporate Canada, not corporate America, (laughs) but into the corporate world. I'm so Um, used to being. I know, I know. It's all. Corporate Canada. (laughs) Yeah, in corporate world, just the corporate world, because the company I worked for was worldwide. 
Um, but it was, I was working there and I had actually, I was working for an alarm company and I lost, I, I dropped what they called drop the signal is I basically didn't um, respond to an alarm, which could have turned out to be very, very costly for the company. But fortunately it was a false alarm, but they took it very, very seriously. And I guess there had been some indications also too about my drinking. So they fired me on the spot. And literally I, I went home and then for a couple of weeks, I'm like, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to, you know, what's going to happen? And I just basically drowned my sorrows in a bottle of vodka. That's pretty well what I did was just drown my sorrows in that bottle of vodka. And um, then uh, I was living with a roommate and he had gone through um, a treatment program and he suggested that I needed help. Basically, he says, you know, like, you can't go on like this. Like, you need help. You need to do something. So he set me off again, intervention from the higher power, um, set me off to a treatment center. And afterwards, after, you know, the clear, after some of the, the fog had cleared out of my mind, I had realized that, you know, yeah, this wasn't right. But the, the process that the corporation had used to dismiss me from my position wasn't correct. So I could have actually sued them and got a very large settlement, but I chose not to do that. I, I approached them and said, listen, you know, like if you felt that I had a problem, why didn't you offer an EAP? A company this big should have EAP as an employee assistance program. Mm -hmm. and it's like, why was that not offered to me? And they says, well, would you like your job back? Because and I, I, looking back now, I know that they were back paddling for sure. Because even the regional general manager and one of my um performance reviews had asked goes why didn't you sue us and I says you know something the reason I didn't is I would sooner have a job than a bank full of money you know there's a long-term results with it and I ended up being there with the bridging of the uh that time of way I was there 13 and a half years so I had worked up from a customer service rep right up into middle middle management and I had uh, created a department and I had a staff of about I think there was nine people that I, I supervised over and I reported to the regional general manager. So it was quite an interesting, you know, working. I've had a, a wide variety of uh, um, jobs and employments over the years. And that's one of the reasons why I feel I'm able to work so closely with my clients because there's really nothing nobody can bring to me that I can't identify with in one shape or another, right? Seriously, because <laughs> I mean, and I, I hear you on for working in the service industry, for one, that's a whole nother thing. Cause I've worked in the service industry um, for almost 10 years and it's just, it's a different world. And then working late night industry with like strip clubs and those, like the people that are there, you see a lot of corporate people that come into these strip clubs and you, it's, it's so interesting how people intermingle at certain times, but they want to act like they don't, or like they don't know anything about that lifestyle. And then, you know, working in corporate Canada, that corporate, the corporate world, I, it's just, for me, it's not one of those things for me because I'm like, no one talks like this, like in corporate emails, it's just like, no one really talks like this. You just want us to talk this way. Yeah. And, and then now like, so you left corporate in 2005, what made you finally leave and start going into coaching and healing and everything? Um, I was, it was basically, uh, I wasn't a personal choice to leave. Uh, there was downsizing in the company. The comp the corporation was looking to sell and it was a publicly traded company. So they would get, they did a big house cleaning. They got rid of people that had been there for 25, 30 years. All the big, big uh, paycheck people were basically let go so that they could bring other people in to make the bottom line look better for selling off the company. So, and then when that happened, I was again, you know, I was starting to take the courses in 2005. I started taking different courses. Um, and then actually I went from working in corporate to driving taxi. <laughs> you meet the coolest people that way. Oh yes. Oh yes. <laughs> You really do. And you get to talk to people and I do love talking to people. So it was a, it was a position that I really, really enjoyed. 
Um, but when the, when it was first offered to me, a friend of mine um, was a had a, owned a taxi, and he says, "Well, you don't have a job. Would you like to drive taxi?" And I looked at him and laughed, and I went, "I make fifty five thousand dollars a year. You think I'm going to go drive a taxi? Are you out of your mind?" But about six months later, when there was no jobs coming in, and I'm like, you know, falling apart, I kind of put my tail between my legs and kind of crawled back and went, well, is that job still available? Can I still drive your taxi? So, but I did love it. Um, and then after I was doing the taxi, I started taking the courses, like I said, heated stone massage. It started off actually, I, as I said earlier, when I ever touched people, I always knew something inside them shifted. So I had walked into a, a convenience store and on the uh, bulletin board there was a poster there it said healing hands apply here and there was a piece of paper so I pulled the number off and I gave it a call and I said you know I would like to learn more about these healing hands and it was a course for therapeutic touch so I uh, took that course and I started working with my one man I have several mentors through my life but my first mentor um, Nikki I started working with her and she taught me Reiki and I took the Reiki course and the hot stone massage and, and then uh, the, the um, therapeutic touch. And then I had, I had separated from my husband. So I was now a single mother with two young kids. And I'm like, what am I going to do with myself? And like, what's going to happen? So I went to the park the one day and I was sitting and meditating in the park and I'm thinking, is this the world? Is this what I'm supposed to do? Is this what my mission is in life? Is this my purpose here for working with, you know, energy work and doing that? And I had a couple birds that were sitting and chirping. And when the birds were chirping, instead of enhancing my meditation, they were really bothering me. So I said to the universe, I says, well, tell you what, I says, I'm not asking for a burning bush, but I need a sign. So if I'm meant to follow in the healing path, bring a couple more birds down or bring another bird down to join these two that are driving me nuts. And next thing I knew there were five birds there chirping away and I looked up to the heavens and says, okay, I got the message. This is the path I meant to take. And that's crazy when those things happen, like those signs from the universe, signs from God happen. And it's like, oh, okay. And then, and then, you know, you tell people about it and like, they don't get it or they really get it. I really get yep. it. But- <laughs> That is so cool. Yeah, so that's where it started. And then I had another dark night of the soul where I had gone and had a complete nervous breakdown. So I kind of left the energy healing alone for a few years and just worked on myself, you know, getting my mental state and raising my kids and working and doing whatever it was I could. But then when I came back, um, I, I knew, I woke up one day and I just knew that this is the path that I meant to take. So I reapproached another teacher and took some more courses and re, kind of reintroduced um, myself to the world of energy work. And that's where it came from. And since then I have developed, I've taken, I have 36 different certificates and different healing modalities, um, working with energy work, working with reflexology. Now you said you don't know what any of these are. I don't know what reflexology is. Okay. Well, reflexology is working with the pressure points in the feet. And so okay. it's like getting a full body massage through your feet and it, it promotes the parasympathetic state, state and it's a, a healing. So it's, it's, a, you got to try it. You really got to try it. I'm going to have to. I totally to will now. Like I'm, yeah. I'm open to trying all of these things. Oh yeah. It's, it's an amazing feeling. Yeah. So, and that came about really from doing the hot stone massage, because I found when I was massaging people's body, I was spending a lot of time on the feet. And I'm like, what is it about people's feet? Why am I spending so much time on people's feet? So then I researched and I didn't know about reflexology at that time. And I says, there's got to be a modality that has something to do with feet, because obviously that's the next step that I meant to do. And so it's something that I still do today. So I'm a certified reflexologist uh, along with a Reiki master and the creator of my own healing modality. Yes. Tell me about V-I-B-E. Vibe. Yeah. Yes. Vibe. Um, I like the acronym Vibe and Vibe came about from when I was doing Reiki. So Reiki is a form of energy work that channels the universal energy. It's not energy created by myself. I'm only the conduit. So it's not my energy when I'm having sessions with clients. I, I'm literally just the conduit 
and bringing it through because everything is energy and everybody can experience energy. Like even if you take your hands and you rub them together and then close your eyes and hold your hands about one foot apart while your eyes are closed and slowly start bringing your hands together, you will actually, 90% of the people will feel either like a hot, cold or a pressure or a tingling. You can kind of feel that. And what that is, is your own energy field. And you practice that. And that's something, it's your own energy field. So everybody has it, but it's a matter of how aware we are of it, right? And the awareness of it. So um, vibe is a combination of energy work. It came about while doing Reiki because what had happened is all of a sudden I wanted to make noise. I wanted to sing. I wanted to, to almost uh, go into light language. I'm not sure if anybody, if you're familiar with light language, but it's the universal language of the soul is what light language is. And harmonic language is another word for light language. Um, but what it, it would, it, I just needed to make noise. And I thought, I'm in the middle of a session. I can't just all of a sudden start singing. This client's going to think I'm nuts. But I could feel myself choking up. So I sat down with some friends of mine and shared with them what was happening to me and what was going on. And they says, you've got to get this out. You've got to do this. You've got to experience this more. So I did some sessions with them and experimented with it. And since then, I have now worked with probably close to 100 people with the vibe. Because um, I, I, I hid it for a while, a long while. I wasn't ready to come out with that. And so it's only been in about the last year or so that I've been working with people and, and getting people familiar with it. And then COVID hit. So it was just before COVID when I started when I started stepping out into it, and then I had to start doing it virtually. But it's um, what it does is it helps clear the it helps declutter your energy field. So we all pick up stuff as we go through the day, and it helps declutter. And clients report that they feel clearer, more balanced. And I usually make a suggestion of having some sort of an intention when you come in for a session or connect for a session. Because the answers, we all have a question inside of us and we also have the answer. But as an energy worker and as a coach, I don't give you the answers. You get them yourself. I just guide you along to get that for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I, I find it with my clients as well. Like it's sometimes people are so cluttered with all of the other things that they, it's so hard for them to get to their subconscious minds. Yep. And, you know, to actually just silence things and not think about the things that aren't serving them to actually get to what they need, because we do have all of the things that we need within us. It's just as coaches, we just help people get there yep. faster. <laughs> That's the purpose, right? It's to help them get there faster. And, and sometimes too, I find when I'm working with clients, just having them talk through and asking the questions, you know, like, well, what is it about that situation that makes you feel that way? And once they're talking through it, they're kind of going, I never thought of that. I didn't realize that that actually came about. My father said to me when I was a kid and I never let that go. So then I would use different modalities like possibly tapping to help them let go of that stuck belief, right? Because that's basically what runs us is our belief systems. Mm -hmm. And by shifting our belief systems and wakening up, that's waking up in consciousness. That's when the changes come about, you know, and that's where the changes came about for me. Like I truly believe looking back on my history that I was always divinely guided, even though it didn't feel like it in the time or in the moment, but I've always been divinely guided somehow, some way there was that divine intervention coming through to help me work through that stuff. And then today, now I just share that with those around me. That is so beautiful. So since you've started doing this full time, what has been one of your biggest um, takeaways? Because I know you're, you're continuously adding on to what you do and how you serve people. Mm -hmm. But um, as far as like your own sense of power with your touch, how has that um, evolved over the years? I'm not sure if I understand the question exactly, but uh, let me answer that anyways. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, what I'm, like, has your 
sense of touch gotten stronger since you've started learning all of these different modalities, you know, since you like knew before when you were a child that when you touched some people, that things changed within them, like your energy, your, your own energy itself. Yeah. Okay. My energy, um, my, when I'm working with a client, again, it's not my energy that's working with, it's the universal energy. So what I had to do to get, um, I don't like using the word more powerful, but to get more, more power in the energy is to become clear within myself. So mm-hmm. eating better, staying away from junk food, you know, staying away from drugs and alcohol, right? That's a big one for me. Um, and just being, working out the, working out this, the struggles in my mind, because there was all those limiting beliefs, like growing up being told, you know, you're not good enough. Like my, my dad told me when I was 13 years old, he says, you're going to be nothing but a street walker. And I'm like, I didn't even know what a street walker was. So I had to go, we didn't have internet back then. I'm sharing my age now, but we didn't have internet back then. So I started talking to people. I'm like, what's a street walker? He says, oh, that's a prostitute. And I'm thinking to myself, this is a man that's supposed to love me and care for me. And he's telling me at the age of 12 or 13 that I'm going to be nothing but a prostitute. Like that's where it was really tough to figure out you know, where I said about giving and receiving love, it was because of the upbringing. So those patterns have to be changed. Mm-hmm. And I've done that with myself and also with the help of friends, because what I've found is I can only take myself to a certain level. And then the eagle steps in, right? Because the eagle's there to protect us or so it thinks it is. Yeah. So the ego would step in. So then I would, you know, approach an energy worker or a coach, you know, depending on what the situation was, and say, all right, I need some help. Like, let's, let's work through this. Let's get past this. So once I was able to get past it, then I could continue. But life is a a constant changing battle. And I don't even, I'm not even, I don't even like the word battle. It's not, it's constantly changing in so many good ways. Like we have choices and the choices we have is we can choose to look at it as a battle, or we can choose to look at it as an amazing journey. You know, mm-hmm. as we're going through that journey and, and experiencing things. So it's constantly like anybody, to be honest, truthful, I believe anybody can do what I do, you know, and then my goal is, is in time is that once people get to know more about vibe is to train others to do it because it's amazing healing modality, you know, any, and you can take a uh, go online. Now they have uh, online Reiki because everything's online now with COVID, you don't get much hands-on stuff. But you can take like just a level one to to increase your own energy, you know, so to bring that in that bring that joy into your own life and just do, you know, working with friends and pets and plants. I love giving um, plants Reiki energy because they actually do grow. Like if you were to do an experiment and say like buy three seedlings and just have them there and have them about two feet apart. And every day come up and tell the one plant, I love you. I love you. And then go over and tell the other plant on the right-hand side, I hate you. I hate you. See which one's going to grow better. Just by telling, and you can have them all on the same windowsill. And plant. Uh, Dr. Emoto did that, did a, um, a, uh, an experiment with rice and water. And he just told the words, you know, so being mindful of your own thoughts and how you process what, what your inner self-talk is. Because I know the inner self-talk can put me down a spiral. Oh my gosh. Like I literally just came out of one a couple of weeks ago where I was in a very dark space. Like I could not find anything positive about anything. And I literally just had to sit and be with that feeling and sit and be with that emotion and allow it. And I have learned so much about myself since then. It's been amazing. And it's just, it's a constant. Like, I, I truly believe I will never be perfect. The day I'm perfect is the day I die. Oh, absolutely. I I, I really try to keep per- perfect and perfection out of my vocabulary because I am a recovering people pleaser. And uh, like, like, I did my Enneagram. Enneagram. And I'm telling you, I got like, I'm like four of those things. Like it, it just, it's not even just straight up one or two. Um, you know how some people are like, I'm an, a seven wing six. Nah, I'm like straight up like a one, two, three. I'm not a four. I'm just, I'm, I'm not a four. Um, but 
I, when I was dealing with um, seasonal affective disorder, I get yeah. it so, so bad. And um, it's so important for me to actually sit through those feelings. Mm-hmm. Like I have to, if I feel like crap, I have to allow myself to feel like it so I can let it go. Just like an NLP, you know, feel your emotions and then let them go. So mm-hmm. you can do it faster. Like when they come, because when, cause I, I also did the a course on NLP to become an NLP practitioner. So I do know a little more about that, but um, yeah. And, and you learn so much through that whole process when you are at your worst and you pull yourself out of it. It makes you so much stronger and it makes it so you can really help people, especially as coaches, because I feel like we have to have on like, we don't have to act like we're perfect or anything like that. We don't have to do anything, but people expect us not to go through these problems sometimes mm-hmm. and not to well, be. don't talk about it. We don't mm-hmm. talk about the problem. That's the whole thing. Right. And mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why I, I've chosen to step into the stripper gone rogue because uh, there was many years, like there are a lot of people that have known me for a long time that never knew I was an exotic dancer because that was not something I spoke about. You know, I didn't want the judgment. What would they say? Because I grew up in a home that you didn't tell people what was going on in the house. You know, I was taught that you keep that quiet. You keep that separate. You don't talk about the beatings. You don't talk about the alcoholism. You don't talk about that stuff. So I wasn't willing to step out, but I now see that the healing modalities, the healing of talking about it is so, so powerful. And that is my whole purpose is to help people heal because I'll tell you, it wasn't a fun life. You know, it was a journey. It definitely was a journey, but looking at it now, like looking back at it, it was a blast, but living in it, there were times where, you know, suicide came across my mind many times you know like sometimes I'm even afraid to talk about that because my doctor hears it she might (laughs) yeah like it's like come on now stop like because there's like for me too like I've definitely battled with like suicidal thoughts and then when you tell people it's like oh are you okay like dude I'm obviously still here if I wanted to do it I would have done it like leave me alone Yeah. Yeah. And the thing too, is if, you know, if you're anything like me, when you're in the middle of it, the last thing you're going to do is talk about it. The only time you'll talk about is when you've come through the other side of it. Exactly. I'm, I am the same way. Like I, that's why I'm so picky on the type of friends I have in my life because I don't air my dirty laundry to the world. I do have my friends though, because I know that that's important for me to have that I can trust and be my authentic self with and actually tell them when I'm going through something. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't felt suicidal in like over a decade, but still like it, it's just, but when I was younger and did deal with that type of stuff, I wouldn't really tell people. I wasn't, I wasn't there yet. I was not yeah. there yet, but now that I am, if I'm, if I'm struggling with anything, I talk to my friends, but very, I, I don't just have like, you know, I'm not like the other millennials that put all their life on social media. No, <laughs> nah. yeah. I only talk about it when I go, when I'm overcome it to help other people. <laughs> exactly. And that's what it's about. Right. You know, like I, but the important thing is talking about it because there's been so much hush hush for so long and, you know, coming from, you know, my generation and the generation of my parents, like you, they were taught not to talk about it. Right. So unless you've had that experience of openness, like I tried to do be the best with my kids as they were, well, there's, they're men now, but when they were growing up, you know, like they seen me at my worst, like it wasn't unusual for them to, you know, I would yell at them. And then I knew how much I hated being yelled at as a child. And then I would break down and cry and I would apologize for them from yelling at them. And then I would explain to them, well, this is what happened. And this is why, you know, I don't like when you do this, which upset me, which caused me to cry and, and, you know, have that conversation. And I have an amazing relationship with my kids today, right? Because of that fact, they know they can come and talk to me about anything. You know, I had a situation a couple, couple weeks ago with my one son. And I thought to myself, like, he comes walking in and he was all, you know, he was at the bar with some friends and he comes in and he's all drunk and he's like talking to me and everything. And I'm look, I'm thinking back to when I, when I was 18, yeah, I moved, I moved out of moved out of the house at 18. So when I was 17, and I would come home drunk, you know, 
I would be sneaking into the house and just crawling in and being very, very quiet, not to wake up my parents. And then, you know, if I did wake them up, then there would be this big hoopla, you know, like, what are you doing? You shouldn't be, you know, there was no, where he had, like, I literally lived in fear, right? It was a fear of coming. What was, you know, what was my mom going to say? What was going to happen? What was the discipline? You know, there was no joy in it where he comes in and he's all happy go lucky and yeah mom we had a great time and he's sitting on the side of my bed talking to me and I'm thinking there's no fear in this kid at all right there's no fear whatsoever right and I'm thinking like wow but that is because we've had that open conversation we've had that openness you know and that's how I work with the clients too is I let them know like there's nothing you know, like I used to say to my kids, you have to remember, mom, you know, I've been there, done that. I made the t-shirt. You know, I didn't get the t-shirt. I don't know if that's a, if, you, if you're familiar. I've, I've heard it. I, I know. Okay. I was just going to say that might, I might be aging myself again. No, <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, but uh, it, it's, it's such a great gift to be able to share and open up and to, you know, get it out there and, and not have the embarrassment. Like there is nothing to be embarrassed about no matter what's happened in your life because of the fact that it's your journey. You know, everything happens for a reason. We may not understand what that reasoning is at the time when it's happening, but when we look back at it, we can see the lessons that are to be learned, right? The lessons that we can, we can achieve from that. What did we learn from that experience? You know, we learn not to go through the red light, right? Or we learn whatever the case may be, depending on the situation, right? I know sometimes I just a couple of weeks ago, I was feeling like I says, I wasn't feeling really good. I was pretty down. And all of a sudden the thought of suicide crossed my mind and I kind of stopped and I looked at myself in the mirror and I went, WTF, where did that come from? Because the last thing I want to do is, you know, and I, I've got too much to do. There's too many people out there that need my help. <laughs> you know, that need to, to talk to me that need to connect with me, because I know how they feel, you know, and there, I may be the only person that knows how they feel because of what I've been through in my life. So, you know, suicide isn't an option, in my opinion, for me. Yeah, yeah. And if anybody is listening to this, that is battling with suicide or considering suicide, definitely reach out because you reach don't have to, to go through this alone. Reach out to somebody, reach out to a friend, reach out to, you know, look, there's the suicide hotlines. I'm sure there's probably a suicide Facebook page or you could probably find that or Twitter. And there's enough people now starting to talk about it. I actually have connections to, to people who, you know, that are that deal specifically with suicidal people. Right. You know, like it's, it's, a, it's a touchy subject. It's, a, it's not, and even drug use and the, you know, like, um, now marijuana is legal in Canada. So you can be walking down the street and you can be smoking a joint. And it's like, in my time, like, no, that I still can't wrap my head around that one personally, but <laughs> it's just me. <laughs> See, for me, I am like pro legalization of marijuana just because I don't feel like it's as bad as heroin or cocaine or you know it's not like they do all this crazy stuff to it and I used to watch a lot of drug shows um you know like um the ones that the police officers would like look at it and then like like come and find people and then like drugs inc I think it, it is I think so yeah but um I would I loved watching that and I also like I my first serving job was at a waffle house third shift third shift. I mean, I saw, and I worked at the one close to downtown Charleston, South Carolina. So when I say we had strippers, bartenders, and bar owners that would come in. So the tips were great because strippers are some of the best tippers, like depending on like their, their, their location, but the ones I had were great. I loved them. They were phenomenal. And um, I, but I would see so many different like college students and other people that would come in on drugs. And yeah. I would start to see like the different types of behaviors that they would have because, mm -hmm. you know, when you're on like Xanax and all these other, now I'm not, I do not like the pharmaceutical companies. I, I'm really against them. So it's like when it comes to, you know, healing, like if there could be like, if 
there are true benefits to THC and um, CBD, then that's why I'm like, yeah. And it's something that grows out of the ground. It, now it's your choice if you do it or not, just mm-hmm. like it's your choice if you drink alcohol or not. Um, Everything in moderation, you know, mm-hmm. the whole thing, right? Like they always used to say that, and I believe it's, they are instilling fear, right? Well, don't smoke marijuana because it's a gateway drug. You know, it's going to lead you into other things. Well, if you've got that fear aspect of it, sure. You know, I can see that because they've been telling, you know, they're telling you not to do it because it's going to take you there. Well, you know, if I tell you not to think of the Eiffel Tower, don't think of the Eiffel Tower. What's going to think of it? Whatever you do, don't think of the Eiffel Tower. Now close your eyes. You're going to see the Eiffel Tower. Right. So if you're it's that the philosophy of it, it was it wasn't handled very well. Like I see what they were trying to do, but it wasn't handled well. And I have no issue, like I have nothing against the legalization because the medicinal aspects of it, like I have friends that cannot live. They like he can't. I have one friend in particular. He can't take painkillers and he lives with a whole lot of pain because of some other medical conditions. And the only thing that helps him is marijuana right? The only thing that helps him with his pain is the marijuana and the CBD. Like I personally take CBD. Like I was in a, back in 84, I got T-boned by a, um, a oil truck on my motorcycle. So I have, <laughs> yeah, that's another story. <laughs> so obviously you're supposed to be here. Like you're su- like suicide is really not an option for you because like, <laughs> it is not your time. Okay. No, not at all. Like I told you, I lived a very interesting life. There's nothing that I can't identify with. Any story that anybody has, I can identify one shape or another. But um, for the pain, I, I still deal with some pain on, you know, if I'm out doing the gardening afterwards, the next day I'm in pain. So I'll take the CBD and it does help me, you know, like, and I know my mother-in-law, she's 88 years old and she takes it on a daily basis for pain, right? In low doses. So it, it has medicinal value for sure, for sure but everything in moderation, right? Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's again, the purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Are you taking it to escape? Are you taking it, you know, like, are you, are you trying to not feel what you're feeling? Well, then it's going to be a problem, but if you're yeah. doing it for the pain or for recreation, just for the fun to have a good time, what's the problem with it? You know, like you, you if you're taking it because you don't want to feel what you're feeling, then you need to talk to a coach or a professional depending on, and don't, because you're not yeah. alone. Like you said earlier, you're not alone. Reach out. Like if any uh, listeners, seriously, if you're dealing with any of this, reach out to somebody, reach out and get the help that you need, because you do not have to deal with this alone. Seriously, seriously. I just, but yeah, since you said that, I like, I wanted to touch on that because I'm like, I just want to be clear. Like I, yeah. I'm, and I just think it's really weird because in my day, you couldn't walk down the street smoking a joint. And now all of a sudden you're like, I'm walking down. And I, it used to be, it used to be, you'd smell it. And I was like, oh, somebody's smoking a joint. And now it's like, everybody's smoking it. You smell it everywhere you go. So it doesn't really matter, right? It's legal here in the state of Illinois. And it's legal in Missouri, which is right next to me, like 20 minutes away mm-hmm. um, for medical. So we're not too far, honestly. And now that Biden's president, I really do feel like since they have control now, it's going to be more, it, it'll be legalized nationally. Okay. But um, I want to get back to vibe. So tell me what, what is a session in vibe is like because so, I know it's a 12 week program but oh I have yeah I have the 12 week program and I also have uh individual so an individual session the 12 week program consists of two vibe sessions it also consists of uh soul tones which is created frequency through the human voice because your voice is unique as your fingerprint is your DNA and everything about you is carried in the sound of your voice so I take a sample a voice sample and create um, through a computer program, create a 20, I think it's 24, 24, 27 minute audio of frequencies to help release all that energetic blockages that are keeping you stuck. And then also, um, so on a monthly basis, you get two vibe session, one set of soul tones and one-on-one coaching. So you get one session of one-on-one coaching, but a typical vibe session being now everything's, I can do it. Literally, I've had clients from Australia because everything's done on vibe. 
So I connect with the client on vibe because I still like to have that personal touch and I like to be able to see the person's energy and get a feel of what's going on. So I connect on the Zoom call and then the client just lays down and relaxes and I start doing the energy work. And I use George and George is a chakra bear. I know your listeners can't see him, but I'll show him to you. So this is George. Okay. Chakra bear. He's an orange chakra bear and he's my surrogate. So when I'm working on it, I can say, okay, I'm working on your head, working on your body, working on your legs. And I also use um, uh, the voice. So my voice and it's all done intuitively, right? So whatever comes through. So each session is different and it's customized for each client. I also use singing bowls, drums, I use a uh, rain stick, right? Just whatever intuitively I'm being told to, to put into the client for the client. So I've got my, my tools set up here beside me here. I've got about five singing, singing bowls and tinses, and I've got my big um, Buffalo skin drum and I just use all of that. And then, so it runs anywhere between 20 and 45 minutes, depending on what the client requires because some people can't handle a whole lot of energy. So their session may only be 20 minutes where I've had another lady where she went, we went actually 55 minutes with her because she really, really needed the energy and really needed the clearing. But usually it goes about 45 minutes is about the typical. And then after I've done the session, I go through a grounding meditation. So I walk you through a meditation to bring you back and to ground you and make sure you're focused and clear. That is so cool. We'll have to set you up for one, Olivia. Yeah, no, I totally want to do that. Like, I love this type of stuff because I love the singing bowls. I love, like, I did Reiki when I was younger, like 23, 24, but I wasn't open to it. I was in a really weird room, like, (laughs) (laughs) that smelled weird and we were supposed to do yoga and it was just like, I wasn't, I was not ready. And I was also with a person that was like super strict Christian that like, like, (laughs) and I'm a Christian too. Right. But I am very spiritual. So, and open to, to a lot of different sources of healing. And it was now that I know more about Reiki and other forms of healing. And I love, I love sound bowls because I'm like, that's one of my like things that I'm going to buy myself this year, because it's just, just opening up those chakras and just the clearing of the energy. It's just, it's absolutely amazing. Got a set of these, a set of tinsibels. I've seen those before. And they just ring. Oh yeah. I'm going to need to get some of those. Yeah. That's very calming. I got a pair for my ex-husband and he rings them every morning and every night. I have to share something when you mentioned about uh, the Christian person is there was a saying I heard some years ago. It was said, religion is for people who are afraid to go to hell. Spirituality is for people who have been there. Oh, I love that. I love that because, you know, there's a difference. There's a huge difference between religious people and spiritual people. And, um, I started realizing, I'm like, I am spiritual AF. I am not, you know, you're religious. I'm going to say Bible verses to you. I'm going to make you try to like think the way that I do. No, I respect other people's viewpoints. And I just, I I try to have a better understanding for everybody. I'm the type of Christian that loves everybody. That is the way it should be. That is the way I am, you know, and I, and I hold strong to my belief and my values, of course, but I, I don't try to push that on somebody else. <laughs> like we all have our own journeys and stories. And I think that it's so awesome that you help people in so many different ways when it comes to their healing. And you can connect with so many people because of your story, like because of your journey. Yeah, that's the intention for sure. So you know? last question. Yes. In five years. Where do you see your business going? And because I know you did mention you want to start training other people how to do vibe, but you know, what else do you see for yourself? In five years, I would love to be able to have helped thousands of people to step into their power 
and be comfortable in their own skin. I would be doing that via the Vibe and via COVID. So helping thousands of people with Vibe and being more comfortable in their own skin and stepping into their power. Because I truly believe that when we empower people, we bring more freedom and more happiness to, the, to their lives and then they can spread that around to others. So in five years, I see my business as teaching people vibe, teaching people how to be comfortable in their own skin to bring more, spread more joy to the world. I love that. Are you going to have any like in-person um, retreats or anything? Um, I'm actually going to a retreat in a couple weeks for and helping facilitate. I've helped, I facilitate. I wouldn't, I don't know about me doing my own retreat, but that's an interesting thought. Yeah, doing my own retreat. But I like working with other people who have the who have the network and let them handle all that other stuff and let me just come and do the work. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'm going to be doing laughter yoga because I'm also a laughter yoga instructor. So I'm going to be doing a breath meditation and a laughter yoga session at a retreat in a couple of weeks here locally. That is so cool. Okay. So if I ever in the future, cause I totally plan on doing real retreats, I will totally hit you up because that would be sure. so cool. Cause I love to plan stuff like that. So if you could come in and like, just fix these people on their um, energy I, level. I don't fix nobody. I don't fix nobody. Not they fix, fix themselves. Not fix. <laughs> you can assist these people in getting and in stepping into their power. And yeah, because they're not broken. Yeah. Nobody's. I, my, another person I interviewed was also like, we're not broken. We just need to find out what works for us. Yep. yep. And God I, don't make no junk. We ain't broken. That is right. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so happy to like have spent this time with you and I actually, I've learned so much in this interview. So thank you so much for, you for having me. you. I love it. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Empowered Woman, Badass and Unfiltered podcast. If you found any value in this, please consider sharing and subscribing. Now go out and be a badass.